And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today's May 2nd, 122nd day of the year. 243 days remain till the year's over with. And y'all ask for holidays and observances. It's National Brothers and Sisters Day. It's National Teacher Day. Baby Day. Childhood Depression Awareness Day. International Harry Potter Day. International Scurvy Awareness Day. National Brian Day. National Foster Care Day. National Life Insurance Day, you know, that's that's a biggie. National Play Your Ukulele Day. National Sandra Day. National Truffle Day. Poem on Your Pillow Day. Polish National Flag Day. Pick a Baby to Lunch Day. National Teacher Appreciation Day. 12th day at Ridvan. It celebrates uh, Baha'u'llah's departure for Constantinople and his new revelation, World Asthma Day, and World Tuner Day. Now that one sounds fishy to me, but that's that's just me. Okay. <clears throat> On eleven ninety four. A.D. King Richard I of England gives Portsmouth its first royal charter. 1230, William de Braos is hung by Prince Louis the Great. 1536, Anne Boleyn, Queen of England, is arrested and imprisoned on charges of adultery, incest, treason, and witchcraft. 1559, John Knox returns from exile to Scotland to become the leader of the nascent Scottish Reformation. 1568, Mary, Queen of Scots, escapes from Loch Leven Castle. 1611, the King James Version of the Bible is published for the first time in London, England by printer Robert Barker. 1625, Alfonso Mendez, appointed by Pope Gregory XV as Latin Patriarch of Ethiopia, arrives in Belu from Goa. 1670, Charles II of England grants a permanent charter to the Hudson Bay Company to open up the fur trade in North America. 1808, outbreak of the Peninsula War. People of Madrid rise up in rebellion against French occupation. Francisco de Goya later memorializes this event in his painting, the 2nd of May, 1808. 1812, the siege of Cayotala. During the Mexican War of Independence, it was both sides claiming victory after Mexican rebels under Jose Maria Morales y Pavon abandoned the city after 72 days of siege by Royalist Spanish troops under Felix Maria Caleja. 1829, after anchoring nearby, Captain Charles Fremantle of HMS Challenger declares the Swan River Colony in Australia. 1863, American Civil War. Stonewall Jackson's wounded by friendly fire while returning to camp from reconnoitering during the Battle of Chancellorsville. Dies of pneumonia eight days later. 1866, Peruvian defenders light off the Spanish, fight off the Spanish fleet at the Battle of Caleo. That's one thing I always had a problem with, the leader's recon. Because if you got a soldier that doesn't particularly like him, he just says he thought it was a one of the enemy and shoot you. 1876, the April Uprising breaks out in the Ottoman Bulgaria. 1885, Korean Asiboni warriors won the Battle of Cut Knife, their largest victory over Canadian forces during the Northwest Rebellion. <coughs> 1889, Menelik II, Emperor of Ethiopia, signs the Treaty of Gail gave Italy control over Eritrea. 1906, closing ceremony of the International Games in Athens, Greece was on this date. 
1920, the first game of the Negro National League Baseball was played in Indianapolis. 1933, Germany's independent labor unions are replaced by the German labor front. 1941, World War II, following a coup d'etat against the, the Iraq Crown Prince, Abdel Aliyah. Earlier that year, UK launches the Anglo-Iraqi War to restore him to power. 1945, World War II, Soviet Union announces the fall of Berlin. Our troops were told to stop moving forward to allow the Russians to get there first. 1942, 45, World War II, the surrender of Caserta comes into effect, by which German troops not only cease fighting. Also in 45, World War II, the U.S. 82nd Airborne Division liberates rubble and concentration camp, finding a thousand dead prisoners, most of whom starved to death. Also on this day in 1945, a death march from Dachau to the Austrian border is halted by the segregated Omnisal. 522nd Field Artillery Battalion, the U.S. Army, Southern Bavaria, saved several hundred prisoners. That was a nice eye um, battalion, which was um, primarily uh, Asian soldiers. 1952, the Haviland Comet makes the first jetliner flight with fair paying passengers from London to Johannesburg. 1963, Berthold Seligare launches a rocket with three stages and maximum flight altitude of more than 62 miles near Cuxhaven, only sounding rocket developed in Germany. 1964, Vietnam War, an explosion sinks the American aircraft carrier USNS Card while it's docked at Saigon. Two Viet Cong combat swimmers had placed explosives on the ship's hull. However, she was raised and repaired and returned to service less than seven months later. 1964 saw the first ascent of Shishapangma, the 14th highest mountain in the world, the lowest of the 8,000ers. <clears throat> 1969, British Ocean Liner Queen Elizabeth II departs on her maiden voyage to New York City. 1970, ALM flight. 980 ditches in the Caribbean near St. Croix, killing 23. 1972, early morning hours, a fire breaks out at the Sunshine Mine between Kellogg and Wallace, Idaho. 91 workers are killed. 1982, Falklands War. The British nuclear submarine HMS Conqueror sinks the Argentinian cruiser ARA General Belgrano. 1986, the Chernobyl disaster. The city of Chernobyl's evacuated six days after the disaster. 1989, <clears throat> Cold War. Hungary begins dismantling its border fence with Austria, which allows a number of East Germans to defect. 1995, during the Croatian War of Independence, the Army of the Republic of Serb Krahina fires cluster bombs at Zagreb, killing 70, wounding over 175 civilians. 1998, the European Central Bank is founded in Brussels in order to define and execute the European Union's monetary policy. 1999, Panamanian general election. Maria Moscoso becomes the first woman to be elected president of Panama. 2000, President Clinton announces that accurate GPS access would no longer be restricted to the U.S. military. 2004, the Yahweh uh, massacre concludes, began February 4, 2004, when armed Muslims killed 78 Christians at Yahweh. In response, about 630 Muslims were killed by Christians on May 2nd. Uh, 2008, Cyclone Nargis makes landfall in Burma, killing over 138,000 people, leaving millions of people homeless. Also in 2008, Shaitan volcano begins erupting in Chile, forcing the evacuation of more than 4,500 people. <clears throat> 2011. Osama bin Laden, the suspected mastermind behind the September 11th attacks, and the FBI's most wanted man is killed by special forces in Abbottabad, Pakistan. Though I understood from talking to an assistant U.S. attorney, had he gone to trial, there wasn't enough evidence to convict him. 
2011, an E. coli outbreak strikes Europe, mostly in Germany, leaving more than 30 people dead, many others ill. 2012, a pastel version of the screen by Norwegian painter Edvard Munch sells for $120 million in a New York City auction. That set a new world record for a work of art at auction. And in 2014, two mudslides in Badakhshan, Afghanistan, leave up to 2,500 people missing. Well, we had um, been talking yesterday about uh, the Bifrost Protocol, which was said to be a plan by um, Hans Kammler to evacuate uh, a number of experts under his command in a uh, flying saucer to a moon base where they would set up... uh, Initially, they went to, to Antarctica... And from there, they're supposedly evacuated to a moon base. Now, Werner von Braun and his group worked along purely conventional lines. German saucer craft were inspired by what you might call more esoteric knowledge. Uh, in its early years, Nazism was influenced by several mystical groups, including the Thule Society and the Vril Society. Now, originally, the Thule Society was a study group for Germanic antiquity. It was founded in 1918 and named after a northern country from Greek mythology. Um, Among its members were supposedly Rudolf Hess and a number of other leading Nazis. Its research combined history, archaeology, and occultism and was instrumental in developing the idea of an ancient Aryan race with superhuman abilities. It dedicated itself to recovering the lost knowledge of the Aryans, and among the fruits of this effort were what was known as flying saucer technology. But from 1920 onward, Hitler took steps to distance the National Socialist German Workers' Party, or the Nazi Party, from occult mystical groups, including the Thule Society. In fact, it was officially suppressed, but it continued to work in secret with the aid of powerful supporters within the party. Without um, the discoveries made by the Thule Society, it's unlikely the Nazi space program could have existed. The Vril Society came from an 1871 novel by uh, English author Edward Buller Lighton. It's called The Coming Race. They talked about a mysterious energy named Vril. And though his work was fiction, it was embraced by Theosophist Elena uh, Blavatsky and by several other cultists whose work would help shape Nazi ideology and mysticism. Now, the Vril 1 Jagger, or the Vril 1 Fighter, was the first armed disc aircraft. It was developed by Kamler's SSE uh, group, 37 feet diameter, and armed with two 30 millimeter MK 108 cannon and two 7.92 millimeter MG 17 machine guns. Early models of it that are still in existence had a solid metal dome, but that was later replaced by a clear glass dome. Stomp speed was almost Mach 10, but it could slow down for combat with conventional aircraft and execute 90-degree turns without uh, its crew being subjected to excessive G-forces. Seventeen of these were known to have been built. Between 1941 and 1944, there were 84 confirmed test flights. Of Vril 2, Zerstoyer, translation as Destroyer, was a heavy fighter concept that never left the drawing board. Its advanced oval shape was too far ahead for the time. There was also Vril 3, 4, 5, and 6, which may not have advanced beyond concepts. The Vril 7, um, known as the Ghost, was spurred by the America Bomber Project. 146 feet in diameter, carried a crew of 14. 1944, one prototype was known to have been built. But uh, by this point in time, all resources diverted to the Honebrew um, Project. The Vril 8, known as the Odin, was the last Vril series design. 
The only prototype known to exist was being tested when Berlin fell. Now, it said that all the real serious crafts were actually capable of going into space. And according to captured documents, further development of the series was aimed at developing a craft that could travel to Aldebaran, some 65 light years away, to make contact with what were said to be Aryans living there. And among the designs being developed at the war's end was the Andromeda Garrett, the Andromeda device, a huge cigar-shaped spaceship capable of making an interstellar journey. Now, if you're thinking that this sounds unbelievably advanced for the 40s, you're absolutely correct. But that's how advanced the German science was at that point in time. Now, there was also a record among the documents captured that the Varel medium, whose name was Sigrin, was vocal in her opposition to the development of the Varel craft for military use. Um, somehow, some way, she managed to design quite a number of very advanced um, aspects to include a Varel treeboard drive, which was... Um, Kamler wanted to use it in their uh, America bomber prototype. She fought with Kamler repeatedly during the development of the very serious saucers. It's been argued that this friction between himself and Sigrun and uh, von Braun led directly to Kamler getting behind the Hanabu project, which was under his sole control. Now, the Vril Society named for this mystical energy that combined electromagnetism and gravity and other forces of the universe, began as a splinter group of the Thule Society, but took on a life of its own and developed ties with Alistair Crowley's Order of the Golden Dawn in England and a number of other occult groups around the world. And like the Thule Society, though, it was suppressed as part of Hitler's move away from esoteric thought, but it continued to function in secret. Now, its most significant work, at least according to records for the space program, is a series of seances that claim to make contact with an advanced civilization in the Aldebaran system. In the course of these seances, real mediums acquired vital information that enabled German engineers to create the advanced alloys of propulsion systems required for successful software development. Whether you believe there was anything to seances or not, the information they produced was valid. Now, it was the Real Society was revived sometime in '43 as the Black Sun began to pour resources into saucer research for the Bifrost Protocol. But this process wasn't smooth, however. Several Real Mediums maintained that saucer technology should only be used for peaceful space travel and didn't want it used for the military. Nevertheless, they wanted the Black Sun ignored objections and development of armed saucer craft continued at an accelerated rate. At this point in time, though, the real saucer series was uh, discontinued and the Hanabu series was um, took its place. Now, the idea of an Aryan society or an Aryan race began in the 19th century. It was a linguistic classification. But through the influence of theosophy and other esoteric doctrines, it became identified with a race of enlightened superhumans who lived in prehistoric times and whose diluted blood persisted in the Germans and other Nordic races of the 20th century. In fact, much... Nazi racial policy was aimed at removing the impurities of other races from the German ethnic stock so that they could breathe a pure, breed a pure Aryan strain, a master race, if you will. Now, the first German saucer craft, according to captured records, was called the uh, Otherworld Flight Machine, built in the summer of 1922. Supposedly, the design was transmitted uh, psychically to the real medium Sigrun by Aryans who had been living in the Aldebaran system since 1919. 
the crass disc was made up of three stacked circular plates with a cylindrical motor running down the center of the assembly. When the motor was activated, the disc contra-rotated, creating a powerful electromagnetic field. The thought was that this isolating field was intended to open a wormhole to Aldebaran and place the machine's builders in direct contact with the civilizations living there. But if it took place, there was no documentation of such a, an event. The surviving reports indicate that the uh, other world flight machine demonstrated impressive flight characteristics and Hitler authorized further development until 1934 when the craft was dismantled and taken to the Mrs. Smith Works in Augsburg for storage. It's believed it was destroyed by our bombing attacks, which devastated the site between February 44 and February 45. And just as the other world flight machine was put into storage, a new disc aircraft is being tested at the Aredo Works in Brandenburg. It's called the Rundflugzug, or disc aircraft, the RFZ-1. Suffered a disastrous control failure in its first test flight in June of 34. This disaster resulted in the craft being destroyed and the pilot barely escaping with his life. But in spite of this, development of a more advanced um, RFZ-2 was authorized. The uh, Z-2 was 16 feet in diameter and had an improved rail drive with a magnetic impulse steering unit used for fast reconnaissance during the Battle of Britain. The success led to the inception of a rail project. And while other saucer projects focused on advanced technologies, the BMW Flugerad, or Flying Wheel, prototypes were developed with a more immediate goal in mind. Powered by a jet engine, used a conventional disc rotor, essentially a rotocraft with a centrally placed cabin, using the wash from the jet engines to drive the rotor. Work on this began in 1943, and four prototypes were known to have been built. Early prototypes were pure disc, but later models had a tail added to improve lateral control. Despite its modest goals compared to the Vril and Hanabu projects, the Flugelride project didn't result in a flyboy aircraft. Ducking the uh, jet wash through the lifting rotor caused control and stability progress, problems that uh, were still being worked on when the Red Army overran the uh, Prague Cab League testing facility. Now, the real troop work motor was developed by the Vril Society from designs allegedly obtained psychically from this advanced civilization now, the Baron system. The Vril Trebork motor used contra-rotating metal, metal discs studied with electromagnetic uh, magnets to uh, which rotated at high speed. Interaction of their magnetic fields created an oscillation that was gradually intensified until it could warp space-time and create a wormhole to the desired destination. Now, there's no documented proof that this was actually achieved. But the electromagnetic uh, gravitic drive allowed a saucer craft to reach Mach 10, according to some reports that were found. Prebook's gravitic um, warping also permitted a craft to change velocity and direction instantly, which without subjecting the airframe of crew to G-forces, that could be fatal under normal circumstances. Now, the Hanabu Project... There was a lot more to it than we ever discovered. Working in occupied Prague, Rudolf Schreiber and Klaus Habermal developed a disc-shaped craft that consisted of a ring of turbine blades that rotated around a fixed central cockpit. It was fast, it was agile, and quickly absorbed by the SSE under Kamler. And under his personal direction, a hand-picked team of engineers from all over the Reich worked to refine the airframe design and propulsion system and added a variety of armor, including the, the fireball electrostatic weapon. The resulting series of aircraft was given a name uh, Hannibal or Hanneberg Garat, or the Hanneberg device. Hanneberg was a fictional name, didn't refer to any place or person. It was 
made up simply to confuse and deceive allied intelligence. Now, there were some claims that the project was moved to a remote testing ground, codenamed Hannaberg. <coughs> but in spite of that rumor, there's not a single Nazi-era document that's been recovered that uses the name Hannaberg as a place name. Well, there were still issues, but a breakthrough was achieved when the Shriver Habermal airframe was mated with a Thule-developed electromagnetic gravitic propulsion system. Uh, I named the... Uh, Tachyonator 7. Test flights using this drive recorded speeds of up to Mach 2 and a climb rate of almost 14,000 feet per minute. That was five times the climbing rate of a uh, Spitfire. Early tests also reached altitudes in excess of 40,700 feet, which is far beyond the, the reach of the best Allied aircraft. Now, after the encouraging results of the early test, Kamler authorized a full-scale development effort. Two Hanabu-1 prototypes were larger than the Shriver Abramal airframe and made of a specially developed alloy codenamed Victolin. 81 feet in diameter, that's a little longer than a B-17 flying fortress, and according to some reports, they could reach speeds up to Mach 4. For weapon test, the second prototype was fitted with a turret, mounted uh, twin 60mm uh, KSK energy beam weapon, but firing them caused a massive energy drain that led to stability problems. And subsequent tests used two packs of three MK-108 30mm cannon, which was in fact standard armament for many German fighters. Now the, the Hanabu II was 85 feet in diameter, only slightly larger than its predecessor, and incorporated only minor improvements. Testing between 42 and 44 led to the development of the Hanbu 2 Dustra. That's the, uh, the Dornia stratospheric aircraft. Another was classified as the development of the Hanbu 2 the Dustra was effectively a different craft. Hanbu 2's Mach 5 performance was increased to a staggering Mach 17, and it was armed with seven pairs of. Uh, what we'll call Crafter Cunning. That's three pairs of 80-millimeter weapons turret mounted on the craft's underside and a single 110-millimeter KSK mounted above the cockpit. Now, this was the first of the Hanabu craft considered ready for large-scale manufacturing. Both Junkers and Dornier tried to get the contract late in 44, and his name suggested it was Dornier's bid. It was accepted by the Air Ministry. However, Allied bombing prevented Dornier from completing more than a handful of these craft. Nobody really knows the exact number. Now, the Hanabu III was a quantum leap from the Dustra, nicknamed Ostara after an ancient Germanic goddess. It was three times the size of its predecessors and almost twice as fast. And it mounted fearsome armament, no fewer than 22 KSKs uh, plus 60 MK-108 30mm cannon. And this was the first Hanabu craft to be capable of space flight, and several writers have claimed it was used for a suicide mission to Mars, taking selected personnel and equipment out of the reach of the advancing allies in March of 1945. And while the evacuation did actually take place, it was far less desperate affair than you might suspect. The Luswamalan base in Antarctica had already been prepared as a refuge and regrouping point. With the burden of the Dustron manufacturing taken on by Dornia, SC, uh, the SSE-4 was able to complete multiple Hanabu-3 prototypes while simultaneously designing and building the next craft in the series. Well, there are those that believe the Battle of Los Angeles was actually against um, what are the Hanabu craft and not against an alien craft. For those that don't remember, the Battle of Los Angeles took place at 3.16 a.m. February 25th, 1942. At that time, an unknown craft appeared in the skies over suburban L.A. Photograph published in the next day's Los Angeles Times shows searchlight beams converging on a large circular object in the 
37th Coastal Artillery Brigade. Fired more than 1,400 rounds at this unknown craft. And despite several reported direct hits, the craft moved off in the direction of Long Beach and disappeared. Well, within hours of the incident, Secretary of the Navy Frank Knox held a press conference saying the entire incident was a false alarm caused by anxiety and war nerves. And nothing else was ever said by the U.S. government about the uh, Battle of Los Angeles. Ufologists have long claimed the mystery craft was extraterrestrial in origin, but it is interesting to note that the Hanabu 1 prototype was already flying by early 42, and the larger Hanabu 2 was un uh, already under development. Well, the final stage of the Hanabu development, at least earthly development, was the Hanabu 4, twice the size of the Hanabu 3 at 390 feet across, making it the largest heavier-than-air aircraft ever have flown in Earth's atmosphere. Only one was known to have been constructed, barely airworthy when the Red Army advanced on Prague, but it was able to limp to Antarctica for the final stages of fitting out. While early saucer craft were armed with the same guns as German fighters, research soon provided Camelot with a new generation of energy-based weapons. There were some problems, though, with the power drain on the ship's propulsion system, but they were eventually overcome. Uh, from November 1944 onward, Allied pilots began to report strange flying objects and phenomena. Round objects, often glowing red, white, or orange, were seen following their aircraft, making sharp turns that were aerodynamically impossible. Named Foo Fighters by American air crews from, uh, a word came from a popular comic strip. It was impossible to outmaneuver or shoot down. They often seemed to be toying with the aircraft they encountered, zooming nearer and further as if taunting them. Various explanations were given, including a new type of flak weapon and a natural electrostatic phenomenon, like Satan almost fireball lightning, but none of these theories could account for the fact that lights moved as if under intelligent control. Well, I've mentioned a number of times the MK-108 cannon. The short-barreled 30-millimeter cannon became the standard armament on most German fighters after 1943. Its predecessor, the MGFF 20mm cannon, acquired about a 20 hits to destroy a heavy bomber like the B-17. But the MK-108 could accomplish the same thing with just four hits. Now, early Vril and Hanabu saucers were armed with MK-108s, mounted in packs of three to supplement their energy-based weapons. But the MK-108 was less suited to saucers than it was to conventional airplanes. The main problem was targeting. Saucers moved so quickly relative to their target that the gunners would lead by too much or too little. Energy beam weapons, on the other hand, fired at the speed of light and struck almost instantaneously, making uh, targeting much, much easier. Well, despite all this, the MK-108 continued to be fitted to most German saucers as a secondary weapon. After some trial and error, of course there was a learning curve, became a fairly effective defensive Armament used mainly with a massive energy drain of a KSK shot left the craft hanging in the air. Although the saucers that formed the Wahala base almost certainly took their MK-108 armor with them, it is uncertain whether this weapon would be effective in lunar conditions. Well, a 1947 report it was found in the archives of British Ministry of Defense concludes that while the ammunition could be kept stable despite the wide temperature variation of a typical lunar day, there'd still be some degradation in performance. And this report also points out that the moon's lack of an atmosphere would affect the gun's gas-operating mechanism to some extent. Uh, be that as it may, though, after action reports from attacks on the base have only mentioned its energy beam weapons, cannons don't seem ever to have been used. Then there's the fleur ball, or the fireball. That was an experimental weapon, launched from the ground against Allied bomber st uh, streams. Small unmanned disc aircraft, remotely controlled on takeoff and guided toward its target by sensors that tracked engine exhaust. I guess you could say it was an early version of the drone. 
It's fitted with an electrostatic field weapon developed at Messerschmitt's uh, Oberammergau facility in Bavaria. Burning chemicals produced a fiery halo around the craft along with a powerful electrostatic field that could knock out a target uh, aircraft's ignition system causing total engine failure. Normally deployed in groups of 3 to 10, the fleurball weapons acted as a proof of concept for electrostatic weaponry and led to further development. First deployed in November 1944 against RAF night attackers, the fleurball saw service for barely two months before being replaced with something more powerful. Then we have the Kugel Blitz. Not to be confused with the self-prepared anti-aircraft gun of the same name. The Kugel Blitz, or Ball Lightning, was a larger version of the Fleurball's electrostatic weapon, which was fitted to several early saucers. And although Kugel Blitz-equipped saucers did fly test missions against the uh, Allied bombers, the program's main purpose was research and development. By the time the Hanabu saucers entered service, the electrostatic weapon concept had fallen out of favor. Further development of saucer armament focused on more promising avenue of energy beam weapons. Of course, then you had the problem of, of uh, power drain. Then you got the Riotron, developed from a particle accelerator developed by Max Stenbeck at Seams Schuckert in the 30s, similar to the Betatron developed by Donald Kirst at the University of Illinois in 1940. Both of these devices produced high-energy electron strains, but the German project was the first to weaponize the effect. By early 45, the SSE-4 had developed a real-powered Riothron, uh, small enough to be mounted on a large aircraft, focused by a ring of, of electromagnets. The resulting energy beam was uh, capable of melting aluminum in seconds. The original Riotron accelerator was captured by Patton's Third Army at Berggrub in Western Bavaria, April 14, 1945. No aircraft-mounted versions were ever recovered, but Dr. Rolf Widerow of the Dresden Plasma Physics Laboratory confirmed existence when he was questioned by intelligence officers. According to Widerow, he had demonstrated the Riotron for Kamler several times, provided copies of plans and notes to be used by the scientists of SSE-4. During the final months of the war, several B-17 bombers coming back to their base in England with unexplained damage, mainly in the wing and tail sections, after uh, contact with the so-called Foo Fighters. Classified Air Force report likened the damage to the effect of a hot wire on a block of cheese. Then you got the Rundgen cannon. It was an energy beam weapon developed under Kamler's patronage. Ernest Schiebold created the X-ray cannon, which produced a focus beam of hard X-rays. A prototype was used to disable the magnetos of Allied bombers and force them down to a lower altitude where they're more vulnerable to flak. Well, by powering a Rotgen cannon with a real Trebort motor, SSE-4 scientists were able to produce a weapon for the Hanabu-3 whose output was sufficient to burn out the electrical systems in every aircraft. During Operation High Jump, personnel aboard the command ship, the USS Mount Olympus, experienced severe radio and radar interference during the air battle that took place on February 6th. And both the Mount Olympus and several other ships were forced to undertake extensive repairs to their electrical systems before leaving Antarctica two and a half weeks later. Then we've got the Krausstall cannon. It's been described as a laser weapon, but in fact it uses a focus energy beam. Power is channeled through spherical cascade oscillators to a transmission rod wrapped in a tungsten coil that acts as a barrel of the weapon. The first KSK weapon was 60mm weapons tested in the Hanabu-1 prototypes, which projected an energy beam capable of penetrating four inches of conventional armor. That's more than an inch thicker than the frontal armor of a Sherman tank and equal to that of the Tiger tank, the Tiger II, that is. As part of the Hanabu 2 project, 80mm and 110mm versions were developed with correspondingly higher performances. Secondary weapons on the Hanabu 4 was a smaller 50mm weapon. KSK would have been a war-winning tank or aircraft weapon except for one thing. It had a very high energy demand. 
No conventional generator could power even the smallest KSK weapon, and with the Glock virulent energy source still in development in 45, only a very few KSKs could be mounted in fortified emplacements. In fact, Kamler issued an order January 45 to recalling all the available KSKs to keep them out of enemy hands. Only the Hannibal craft had the energy to power them and the mobility to avoid capture. Continuing development of the real tree work motor reduced the power drain problem. But it wasn't until the Hannibal 4 was fitted with a small Glock that was eventually overcome. Only the, the Glock with a bell could provide enough energy to fire the weapons without affecting flight functions. Well, Von Braun and his fellow rocket scientists were initially shipped to Newcastle Army Airfield near Wilmington, Delaware to continue the work that would result in the, the Apollo moon rockets and America's arsenal of intercontinental ballistic missiles. Um, at the same time, another facility is being set up at Groom Lake in the Nevada desert. Codenamed Area 51, this base was devoted to collecting and studying German advanced aircraft captured during the war. Among the captured aircraft known to be sent there were the Messerschmitt ME-262 fighter jets, an incomplete Gotha GO-229 flying wing jet bomb, and a handful of documents and parts from uh, the abandoned Hanabu facilities that were overrun. Over the following decades, research at Area 51 produced a number of advanced designs based on German prototypes. The Northrop YB-49 flying wing bomber was a straightforward development of the existing YB-35 design dating back to 41, though it was fitted with jet engines and incorporating several improvements based on the captured Gotha aircraft. Although the design never entered service, it was considered an early ancestor of the B-2 Spirit stealth bomber. Several experiments with dish-shaped aircraft were less successful, though. Working from anecdotal accounts of Thule and Hanabu saucers and lacking reliable information on the Thule Treeberg propulsion system, engineers in Area 51 tried to reproduce German saucer craft from first principles. The Vault XF-5U Flying Flapjack, developed from an earlier design by Charles Zimmerman, was a conventional aircraft with a dish-shaped wing rather than a true flying saucer. However, performance was very disappointed. It was canceled in March of 47. Other design, uh, disc designs were carefully kept out of the public eye, so carefully, in fact, that some commentators have claimed the Flying Flapjack program was never intended as anything more than a smokescreen to explain sightings of disc-shaped aircraft over the continental U.S. from 47 onwards. This led to the great saucer scare of the late 40s, according to many writers. And while some progress was made in replicating the Vitalin alloy used in German saucer craft, uh, we encountered serious problems with propulsion and control. June 24, 1947, Kenneth Arnold saw a half-moon-shaped aircraft leading a formation of nine discs near Mount Rainier, Washington, and reported their flight is like a saucer if you skip it across water. As the rumors spread, these craft came from another world. Later, UFO uh, sighting reports of dish-shaped craft performing uh, extreme maneuvers were generally attributed to advanced alien of aeronautics rather than control problems. Then we have UFO crashes. Now, there are a lot more crashes than our government has ever admitted. I wrote a book and did a... a um, video series called Beyond Roswell, where I talk about those. And speaking of Roswell, July 8, 1947, a small experimental disc aircraft crashed on a ranch outside Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, eyewitness descriptions of the wreckage and the crew and the military's efforts to suppress the incident have combined to fuel an almost endless stream of conspiracy theories. Today, that incident is written off as the crash of a high-altitude balloon launched as part of Project Mogul, whose purpose was to detect Soviet nuclear testing that used sound waves. In fact, the Roswell records did come from a crash saucer, but not an alien saucer, according to the best records that we can get a hold of. In an effort to understand and overcome the stability and control problems encountered by the experimental saucer aircraft, the engineers at Area 51 constructed a series of scaled-down radio control craft. Some of these were crewed by rhesus monkeys. 
also used in a NASA rocket program to study the effects of saucer flight on primate physiology. And one such craft with 16 monkeys on board was shot down near Aztec, New Mexico in March of 48 after drifting over the Los Alamos National Laboratory. Well, despite official attempts to cover up, the sight of their charred corpses led to rumors about childlike aliens that had persisted for years. Well, following the saucer sightings of early 47, the U.S. Air Force was commissioned to produce a study of UFO reports for publication. The resulting project sign was active for most of 48 before being shut down. Allegedly, it's for classifying too many reports as unknown and replaced by Project Grudge, which sought to quash any of the theories about extraterrestrial origin. In August of 49, um, Project Grudge issued a 600-page report that concluded quite firmly there was no such thing as flying saucers. However, not everybody in the U.S. military is satisfied with the Grudge Report. In 1952, another study was commissioned on the name of Project Blue Book. This ran until 1970 and remains the best-known official study of UFOs. Like its predecessor, Blue Book concluded of, that all the 12,618 UFO reports it studied could be explained by phenomena other than flying saucers. Some of the Blue Book report is still redacted, allegedly to protect the identities of witnesses. However, at least some of this material refers to incidents where saucers buzzed, buzzed other aircraft, which were probably hot dog test pilots exploring the limits that what even an American saucer craft could do. It's also noticeable that most of the early saucer sightings took place in Southern California, Arizona, and Nevada, all within easy reach of Area 51. After American saucer research shut down, this type of sighting disappears from the records almost completely. Well, the planning of the moon base gave Kamler a number of challenges. And given the hostility of the lunar environment, it was imperative that the Wahala base should be designed for rapid, if not instant, construction, using only materials brought from Earth. Had to be placed in a location that gave it a clear view of the Earth for the bombardment phase that was planned. But this location also had to be somewhat concealed to protect the base from discovering counterattack for as long as possible. If possible, there should be easy access to lunar materials and other resources to be needed for the planned scientific projects. Well, for as long as people have been writing about the Nazi moon base, there have been two myths that the base was on the dark side of the moon and it was shaped like a swastika. Well, best evidence shows both of these are incorrect. Symbolism aside, the swastika state building is impractical, especially personnel restricted to the inside. It simply takes too long to move from one end to the other. The connecting passages rapidly become choked with traffic. And a base located on the dark side of the moon is also impractical. While it's not literally dark, the far side of the moon faces away from Earth, making it impossible to observe or fire at the Earth from a location there. And Kamler and his followers needed to be able to keep a watch on the Earth, monitor radio transmissions, and aim their projected wonder weapons at the U.S. and other targets. When the Hanabu 3 scouts completed several survey missions in 46 and 47, final preparations for the... Uh, Completing the moon base were underway at New Swabinland. Possible sites were examined along the edges of the Sea of Tranquility and in the mountain range south of the Ptolemaeus crater. The site Kamler eventually chose was the Aristarchus crater on the northwest of the moon's near side. It's 24.9 miles across and 2.3 miles deep. Allows room for the planned base to grow while remaining small enough to be defensible in the event of an attack. And the shadows of the crater's rim helped conceal the base, many Earth-based telescopes then uh, in existence or projected. Nearby Aristarchus Plateau showed signs of volcanic activity, holding out the hope of much-needed minerals and metals. And most important of all, though, there was the crater's position on the Earth-facing side of the moon. Aristarchus gives a good view of the Earth, but it's sufficiently offset from the center of the near side to place the base in sunlight at 
most times. Well, as providing the, the vital warmth, sunlight was critical for one of the base's weapons. A weapon that Kamala had high hopes for using during the bombardment phase. When Kamala was planning the Bifrost Protocol and construction of the Wahama base, Germany's heavy industry was under considerable strain. American daylight raids were crippling Germany's uh, industrial capacity, the advancing Red Armies overrunning vital oil fields and mines, choking the supply of raw materials. And as the SS head of the Wunderwaffen production, he had access to a wide variety of existing projects, but he couldn't commission any special projects of his own. So he decided to design a Wahama base around existing craft and structures, all of which could be easily transported to the moon. The base was laid out using the escaped Hanabu fleet as primary structures. Hanabu 4 acts as the command center and provides accommodation for the base's personnel. The Hanabu 3 craft are laid out in a circle around it, connected by tunnels made up of the pressurized fuselage sections of Falkwolf TA-400 high-altitude bombers. Well, some commentators who apparently are mesmerized by the romantic idea of a swastika ground plan have suggested that the layout of the Wahala base is a form of the Black Sun emblem. But apparently this is uh, not feasible. Nothing in Kamala's history showed him to be anything other than a ruthless, pragmatist, and wheel-shaped layout is simply the most practical, given the components on hand. It connects every part of the base in a way that minimizes distance and offers multiple routes between two points in case a particular tunnel should be damaged, blocked, or jammed with other traffic. Well, the Hanabu 4 sits at the center of the base. Upper levels are devoted to command and communications, the middle levels to accommodation, and the lower levels to maintenance and logistics. Middle levels of the Hanabu 4 were originally designed as a series of bomb bays to carry the nuclear and other weapons the craft was designed to drop on the continental U.S. As part of the craft's final fit-out, an Antarctica, the bay doors were sealed shut, and the space converted to a series of bunk rooms and cabins four stories high. Hanabu 4's tool, Trebuk 9B power source, is located in the lower levels of the craft, along with SM Swerber maneuvering motors and associated equipment and couplings. After landing, the underside weapon positions were stripped, and their weapons moved to upper mountings. This created space for a series of maintenance workshops and supply stores. And in these levels were hard sealed and to the underground storage bays and mineral processing plant that were excavated underneath the craft. Well, on that note, we've come to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow and talk more about German flying saucers and the German moon base. Until then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.